Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Coming up, we'll talk to political scientist Shannon Sampert now that the provincial election campaign has officially started. Credit aides Brian Denishuk on a New Angus Reid poll that says one in four of us are caring for an older loved one. And Bev Suick on a great fundraiser, Art in the Attic. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. come back from visiting her honor the lieutenant governor and i've asked her to dissolve the legislature and issue the writs of election for tuesday september 10th it's time for a new mandate to keep moving manitoba forward premier brian Pallister, you heard him live here about half an hour ago dropping the writ september 10th that is when manitobans will go to the polls the election campaign in the province officially underway now and joining us to talk about it is political scientist Shannon Sampert. Shannon, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for doing this. You uh, heard the Premier, I'm sure. Uh, your thoughts on his uh, announcement. He he used it to sort of make his point that he deserves some more time in office. Well, um, certainly if you look at the polls, he's taking advantage of the fact that the, uh, the Conservatives have very solid uh the time in the polls right now, they're sitting at around 42%, according to Probe. And uh, the NDP have failed. Wild Canoe has failed to make any kind of hay of the mess that has been created as a result of restructuring of health care. They haven't moved at all, uh, at, at all. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's pretty much taking advantage of, of the inability for uh, Wild Canoe to make any kind of, uh, any kind of inroads in the health care debate. Why has that gamble on health care? not paid off for the NDP? Well, I, I think that actually the, the Premier has been really clever, and one of the things that he's been clever about is holding this uh, health care uh, uh, vote uh, for the unions to consolidate around the same time that they're going into a provincial election. And so we have a hundred and what, about 150 different unions that are right now having to uh, uh, consolidate and make a decision of how they're going to consolidate down to 50 bargaining units. That means that they're right now fighting within themselves. Their fight then isn't with a provincial government. They're fighting within themselves to determine which bargaining unit they're going to belong to. And so a lot of that kind of time and attention is being sent within, within the ranks rather than externally. And so, you know, this is a great time for the Premier who has this, you know, this big kind of uh, uh, fight going on in terms of health care. He can take advantage of that kind of internal struggle and say, hey, a great time for me to hold an election. Yeah, they're I, not paying attention. They're paying attention to their own struggle within. Right. Brilliant. They've, Brilliant. they've, got, they've got another b- battle going on that's preoccupying them. Brilliant. And not only that, Hal, they're spending money on their own internal battle. You know, they're right now they're going, this is the reason why you should join our union rather than that union. It's brilliant, actually, when you think about it as a strategy. Hmm. And with the health care uh, issue and the NDP, you know, even if you say, well, this is Wab Canoe, it's, it's a different leader. He's got some issues that I think bother some people, some voters. 
And then when it comes to health care, if you say, well, just from a party perspective, the NDP had their chance. It's it's their only issue, but it's kind of a losing issue on a couple different fronts, isn't it? Well, certainly the NDP had a lot of problems on their own. They had, uh, uh, you know, the uh, very big problems with health care, health care, the long waits for uh, emergency uh, and health care, we called it hallway medicine. They had long waits for uh, replacement for knees and hips as well. So even when they had a lot of spending that was going on, they weren't spending it wisely. A lot of Manitobans were concerned about health care under the, under the NDP government. And uh, one of the things that Pallister has certainly addressed is the issue of getting the debt under control or at least the creditors' concerns about the debt under control. So from that perspective, uh, you know, um, the Premier can say that he started to address that issue, and that is not something that the NDP can say with a straight face, at least not at this point in time. So I think, frankly, uh, the, the Premier uh, is, is going to be going to a second victory. With how, what the numbers are going to work out to, he may lose a couple seats in Winnipeg, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless something drastically blows up, uh, he is assured a second victory, just looking at the polls uh, and the fact that the NDP just hasn't been able to ignite a fire in any kind of way for the voters. I think the big question, Hal, is going to be, though, what the voter turnout is going to be. And 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 I'm not 100% certain that that a lot of Manitobans are going to say, this is the election where I'm going to show up and actually actually vote. I I just don't think there's a lot of issues that they are feeling, you know, riled up enough about. Yeah, and low voter turnout, you would imagine, would benefit Premier Pallister and and the Tories. I wanted to talk about the Liberals uh, uh, for a Mm -hmm. second. Another Mm -hmm. missed opportunity uh, for, for this party. Maybe speak to that a bit. The, uh, the Liberals actually do have some opportunities here, uh, and I think we could see uh, a couple places that they might uh, they might have some uh, you know have some support. Uh, Dugold does have some room uh, to to actually rise, but when you look at the numbers again, polling numbers, um, there's there's some softness to his uh, to his support. Um, he just needs to come out of the gate with some solid solid policy that speaks to Winnipeggers. Um, the interesting thing, though, is the doubling of support right now for the Green Party. I know. Uh, they've gone from 7 to 14 percent. Now, is that going to mean any difference, actually, on Election Day? We'll wait to see where that goes. But uh, there are, there's potential there for uh, Dugald Lamont to actually increase the number of seats in the House overall and, and maintain or actually improve uh, on his official party status. Um, and he just has to keep digging away at it. I think he's been impressive. Certainly he's been more impressive than the previous Liberal leader in bringing forward some interesting alternative ideas on policy. And that's really exciting. And, um, and I think, you know, when you're, when you're a third, you're a third leader, bringing forward alternative policy is a great idea. Yeah, I will give Dougal Lamont and the Liberals some credit. Uh, I thought the the Manitoba police force was kind of an interesting idea. They did bring some stuff forward. And listen, it's a short campaign, 28 days, although we've been campaigning. Come on, let's not fool anybody here. We've been campaigning. It's a short uh, campaign. Anything can still happen. But when I said that I felt like it was a missed opportunity for the Liberals, I was sort of thinking of the Greens because it seems like people that don't want to vote for Pallister and the Tories that are 
or maybe further to the left. They look at the NDP. They look at the liberals. And maybe that's why we're seeing some growth in the green vote, because uh, the NDP and the liberals aren't doing it for those people. So they're saying, well, my next choice is green. Would, would you no, agree Al, with I that? I think what we're going to see is after the Labor Day long weekend, we're actually going to see the real policies come out. We've seen the fluff stuff up to this point in time. But after the long weekend, I think the liberals might actually be coming out with some stronger policy that we might see uh, and that, that, that could actually pull some of that, that support away from the green again. So don't count them out yet because the real election hasn't happened yet. And the real election happens probably after, after Labor Day when people are coming away from their lake cabins and starting to pay a little bit more attention. That's exactly what we saw in the last federal election as well. Remember that long, long right. election? Yep. Nothing really happened until everybody came back from the lake cabins. The kids started back in school. That's when the real policy stuff came out. Well, that's an interesting point, you know, and you're right. That may be a good plan of attack, right? Wait until just before people go to the polls. Let's face it, this is a summer election. People are more worried about the beach and the cottage than they are about this election. That might be a good strategy. Hit them with some real serious policy uh, just before they vote. Just before the just before the uh, advanced uh, polling, and just before they actually have to make up their final decision, the big thing is going to be the undecided voter, and the big thing is going to be climate change, and uh, and the, for the younger voters, especially climate change, indigenous issues, women's issues, issues that uh, young people are actually looking at and are interested in. Wab Canoe is weak on women's issues. We already know why, and uh, and uh, and Brian Pallister can be weak on women issues and indigenous issues so that's where do gold can pick up and so obviously you know this is something that uh, and on the climate change obviously as well pc party is struggling this is where do gold lamont can really really hit and hit hard shannon thanks for your time i really appreciate it i'm sure we will be talking some more oh i hope so thanks a lot have a <laughs> great right. day we're going to talk to Brian Dedeshuk at uh, Credit Aid in just a moment. He is standing by on the line. We're going to talk about a new poll from Angus Reid. Let me read a bit of their news release, and then we'll talk to Brian. Caregiving in Canada. This is what the survey was all about. As population ages, one in four Canadians over 30 are looking after loved ones. Those in 40s. 50s, most likely to provide care. Women, more likely to report a major impact on their lives. Three years ago, Canada quietly crossed a critical demographic threshold. For the first time, there were officially more seniors, those 65 and older, than children, those 14 and under, in the entire country. As population trends skew older, a new study from Angus Reid Institute finds Canadians are or expect to be directly involved in caregiving for their loved ones. One in four Canadians older than 30, 26%, say they are already providing care for someone. Another one in three, 33%, expect to do so in the future. Those numbers are really significant. Right now, more than one in four over 30 are caring for a loved one. And uh, Brian Dedeshuk from Credit Aid, come on in here and and let's talk about this. Uh, Good afternoon, first of all. Good afternoon, Hal. Good to hear from you. Yeah, and uh, great to chat with you. And when we're caring as we get older and and, uh, start caring for a loved one, 
that really impacts our finances. And that's kind of the part of this that I want to talk to you about. Maybe just uh, initial thoughts and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. Definitely impacts our finances in, in, in many different ways that may not be obvious to a lot of people. The first one is if we're responsible for, for helping you know, a senior in our life. And I mean, I've lived it um, in the past with my mom, living it right now with my mother-in-law, there, there's costs because you may have to take time off work to be able to take them to doctor's appointments. You may not have sick days. You may have sick days, but you may not be allowed to use them for, you know, um, for parents. There's, you may have to take vacation days. So there's direct impacts. You're going to pay the costs of driving them to, to help take them to the doctor. And it may not be just, you know, once every six months, it could be every single week. Yeah, and I know people right now that are dealing with parents that need to be in a facility where they can get at least some care, but because those older people don't have the money to pay for it, they're on a waiting list two, three, four years to get into a facility where it's based on that person's income. So at the end of the day, this again just reminds us that we need to prepare for the future, don't we? Absolutely. We've got to make sure that we're we're saving for our retirement. And, you know, sometimes we forget to include the fact that we may not be healthy until we're 90 years old, so there's going to be costs. We may need hearing aids. And if we don't have money saved for that, you know, hearing aids aren't cheap. We hear they're five to $10,000. We usually don't have any coverage. We may have significant dental work that we're going to need. Have you saved a whole bunch of money for that? So there's those aspects. And if we don't have the money, then we're turning to our children. Can they help us? And are they in a financial position to help us? And those, you know, the, the family that's helping to take care of the parent there's a good chance they've also got young children as well, or teenagers. Right. So they're pulled in multiple ways with lots of costs. Yeah. I, I was really, when I saw this Angus Reid uh, poll, uh, I, I just, I saw that number and I thought, wow, like 26% of Canadians, that's more than a quarter of all Canadians over 30 are already caring for a loved one and a full third expect to do it in the future. Like, that is huge. It, it is huge. And, you know, the, it often falls on, on one sibling because not all of our children are necessarily going to stay in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. So you might have four kids, but three of them might be out of province. So everything falls on the one person that's here. And they bear a lot of the cost and the work and the stress. And it's amazing, and it is not easy work. You know, it's one thing to raise children, which you're trying to deal basically the same way with seniors, but they're a little bit more stubborn, and they know the ropes, so they know how to push your buttons, so it can be challenging. Right. And, and, you know, and got, go, sorry, Brian, go ahead. That's okay. We've got to help get them set up for that phase of retirement. You know, they don't necessarily want to leave that family home, yet they don't have any cash to pay for some of the care. So sometimes we've got to push a little bit to get them into, you know, that 55-plus where they've got companionship, which is absolutely critical. And then we can maybe have a, you know, get at some of the assets to help them pay for those hearing aids and the things that will help make them comfortable through those 
retirement and final yeah. years of life. And and listen, there's an emotional and a psychological uh, cost here. We're not talking about that right now. That's a given. We know that's there. I just kind of thought I wanted to talk to you about the money side of it. So here's another question for you. We okay. prepare for our own retirement or when we get older. But Brian, do we now have to start thinking about mom and dad or that aunt or uncle or grandparent? If we're seeing numbers like this, do we now have to have to start thinking, I've got to prepare for my retirement, but my mom or dad have not prepared properly. Now I have to find the money in my budget to prepare for them in five or 10 years when I may have to care for them. Yes, we do. And that's the challenge is we've got to start thinking ahead. And that's where you want to start looking at what's happening with mom and dad today. And if they've got a home, maybe we have to help protect that home so that they're going to have some assets to to pay for the costs of health care and the retirement and everything else. We're very fortunate in this province that when we do end up having, you know, if we do have to go to a personal care home, that the cost of the personal care home is based on your, your tax return, on what you earn. So at least it's a pretty fair formula there. And I found it very fair because we unfortunately had my mother go into personal care home for about eight weeks of, you know, the last eight weeks of her life. And I didn't find the cost to be that high. And it's affordable for all Canadians. It's the extras that we may need that aren't necessarily covered that family may be in a position that they have to pay for. So maybe you need to add that one line to your savings account called, you know, helping mom and dad. We already got the one helping all our kids. So maybe we need the one more line as well. Yeah. And one more uh, thought that I had is, as we sit here and, and talk about this, you know, you deal with people in very difficult financial situations at Credit Aid. Are you seeing more people coming to you and that straw that broke the camel's back for them was the fact that they had to care for a loved one and they had to contribute to that, whether it was with money or time or both? Absolutely. You know what? We have such a strong sense of obligation and, and we're, we are all they have. And we are going to do anything to help them. And at the risk of maybe running up some credit cards and some lines of credit, and then we ourselves need help. And that's what we're there for. And we will help read, you know, find a solution to get them back on track. But at times we don't have that choice. We're compassionate people wanting to care for others, and we will do it at all costs. Brian, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. No problem, Hal. Have a great day. Brian Denishuk, he is the president and CEO of Credit Aid, and he is joining us here on CJOB this afternoon. You know, my mom is in an um, assisted living facility now, and she loves it. She fought us tooth and nail for years when we said, Mom, we got to, you know. And I think now she wishes she had done it many years ago. And that's often the biggest challenge, right, is to get them into a situation where they can get that help they need. But I couldn't imagine the frustration and the heartbreak of wanting them to be there for help, being in a facility like that where they can get the help, being able to, and and they're willing to go, but you can't afford it. They can't afford it. So, boy, that was a, when I saw the Angus Reid survey, that's a, that is a scary number or two there. And listen, I think a lot of people are going to have to start thinking about 
If you're not already thinking about mom and dad, you may have to start thinking about mom and dad. And as Brian said, add that line to your budget. Put a couple of bucks away because you know that that's coming. At some point, you're going to have to care for a loved one. We have a few minutes here to bring in a guest who has been so patiently waiting to get on. Sorry about that, Bev, but that's the way uh, the news business works. Absolutely. Thank you for coming in, though. I appreciate it. You're with a group called Grands and More Winnipeg, and you've got an event coming up. But tell me a bit about Grands and More Winnipeg first. Okay. Grands and More is a, is an affiliate of the Stephen Lewis Foundation, which is a charitable organization. Yep. And so we've been in existence for over 10 years. And our purpose is to make people aware of the situation in Africa, particularly for grandmothers there Mm -hmm. who are taking care of the 17 million children who've been orphaned by AIDS. Right. So it's all been left in the hands of the grandmothers to fulfill that role and also to raise money for them to support the to support them in whatever they need to do. Yeah, and so you and the grandmothers here try and help the grandmothers there, and I think this is a wonderful cause. We've talked about this before. One of your big fundraisers is coming up. It's called Art in the Attic, and we'll give you the details in a second, but basically everybody's got a picture or two kicking around that they don't want on their wall anymore, but they could pass it on and help you raise money. That's exactly it. Uh, we want people to look in their attic and, and get out the stuff that they, they've had there for 10 years and it's gathering dust and still good art, but just not what yeah. they want right now. So right. we're asking them to take a look and give us a call and we'll pick it up or you can drop it off. And then we resell it in on September 29th and raise money. Last year, we raised over $30,000 for wow. the Stephen Lewis Foundation. Isn't so. that great, eh? And that's at the Norwood Community Club on the 29th, right? That's correct, yes. Yeah. yeah, and the number to call if people do have some art in the attic or the basement of the garage or wherever that right. they'd like to pass on to you for this wonderful cause, the number is 204-270-8447. 270-8447, that's the number. And then you sell it all on September 29th. How are you doing? Because I know you like to try and get about 1,500 pieces. Yeah, no, we're, we're at least halfway there. Oh, um, and so we've got a few weeks left, so we're hoping that people will call and donate art and so that we meet our goal. Yeah. Is uh, Now, the phone number, if you missed the phone number and you didn't get a chance to jot it down, just get a hold of me here, Hal at CJOB.com or 204-780-6868, and we'll pass on the number to you. But you're looking for, well, another 700 pieces yep. of art. And again, it's a great cause, and the sale is coming up on September 29th at the Norwood Community Club. And then I imagine you get a lot of art lovers out there wanting to buy art, Oh, eh? we do. We do. If we get lots of people when the door is open, particularly really interested in the uh, indigenous art, mm-hmm. it's usually a good focus. But you can get art from $5 to $200 wow. and some bigger pieces for more than that. But, you know, for people who are um, have a new home yeah. or students who are coming back to school, it's a great way to get some art. Yeah, and helping the grandmothers in Africa care for the children that have been orphaned by AIDS. Absolutely. Yeah, like, it's a wonderful cause. Yeah, great. Thank you, Hal. Bev, thanks for coming in. No Beverly Suick, she is with Grands and More Winnipeg. Again, that phone number, 204 204- 270-8447. The sale's coming up on September 29th, so get a hold of them and pass your art along so it can do some good. 
Hal Anderson Afternoons. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.